I can't go a day without seeing Matt Fanslow poke at Tracy on Facebook every day. Um, so the behind the scenes, uh-huh. they talk every day. Yeah. Her fiance calls Matt her work boyfriend. <laughs> <laughs> I know. Tracy, you need a new boyfriend. <laughs> This is the Aftermarket Radio Network. Hey, welcome back. Remarkable Results Radio, Carm Capriato at the Transformers 2022 conference. We're working our butt off, but when I tell people, Chris, that I'm in Cancun, they don't want to believe that I'm working hard. Right. (laughs) Chris Chesney is with me from Repairify. And I was preparing to do this interview. I kept saying, where is Chris Chesney? It's kind of like one year now you've been with Repairify. And with all the years that you've been in the industry, uh, of course, uh, your own training company and then working for Carquest Technical Institute and doing all the great training stuff that you did and uh, gotten to know you, when you decided to retire, it took you, uh, I think you said 12 hours to realize that, no, this wasn't the way you wanted to do it? Well, I talked to Chris Hollingsworth at noon on the first day of retirement. Oh, oh it didn't take that long. <laughs> so I think I was officially retired for... 12 hours, but really it was five to noon. So you probably add that together. Maybe it was, I don't know what's the math, 19 hours. Okay, 19. Because after our conversation, he planted some seeds that kind of perked my ears. And we talked over and over for several weeks uh, as we kind of dug into what this might look like. And uh, so I didn't stop thinking about the industry for more than a couple hours. Hey, plan to be at Apex 2023, October 31st through November 2nd. Apex will build upon the incredible success of Joe's Garage, a full 10-bay working environment. If you earn your living in the auto service aftermarket, then Apex is for you. Hey, for over 30 years, Napa Tracks has made selecting the right shop management system easy by offering the best, most comprehensive SMS in the industry. We'll prove to you that Tracks is the single best shop management system in the business. Find Napa Tracks on the web at N-A-P-A-T-R-A-C-S dot com. It took me six months to go from my interesting retirement story to doing my first episode. But knowing I was reinventing a brand new thing, never been done before, a podcast, I had to learn all about it. So it really did take time for me to pull something off. But you, (laughs) you could just seam yourself into any situation. Well, I think that there was still fear there. From the standpoint of I'm moving from a mechanical space that I know inside and out, I'm totally comfortable talking about. I'm also in a a position where I'm going into or considering a space that I don't know much about at all. So at the end of the day, what we're talking about is a fear of the unknown. I'll elude or work my way back into my past history. I worked for Datsun back in the, in the mid to late seventies and then went to work for a Toyota dealership. Man, I was scared to death moving from Datsun to Toyota. I got to the Toyota dealership and okay, the valve cover's a little bit different shape, but righty tighty lefty Lucy still worked. The same sockets worked on the same fasteners. This is just as easy as a Datsun. How old were you, Chris? I was 22. Wow, okay. And so I had that fear that they have to be different. Uh, sure. And they're not. So yeah. moving from mechanical to collision, they have to be different. Well, they are, but it's just a different set of 
unknowns, a different set of fears that the people in the collision industry have, a different set of challenges that they're working with. Uh, some challenges with respect to margin and profit opportunities are just massively different. Uh, they have to deal with the carriers that really reduce that. But so. you're talking about your 20-year, oh my God, Datsun to Toyota and yeah. your move from yeah. CTI into Repairify. Yeah. You're, you're kind of saying, oh, this is interesting, but righty, lefty, Lucy. Uh, still dealing with people. Yeah, you're yeah. still dealing with yeah. with physics and chemistry yeah. and and you're still dealing with technology and the car doesn't know where it's at when it's in a shop. Yeah. It doesn't know that it's in a collision center with a broken arm or, you know, the hospital with a broken arm or if it's just, you know, sick. So the thing that I kind of stepped back and evaluated as I entered into the collision space was try to kind of level set the field for uh, the industry, both the collision industry and the mechanical industry, that the car is the car is the car. The technology on the car doesn't change. Yeah. It's that we've segmented ourselves in the industry into two groups to serve the, the motorist in an effective way. And one group is really regulated and uh, has margin compression challenges. The other side, the mechanical side, is unregulated uh, in many ways or most ways, uh, but really has their act together. I'm sitting here at Transformers, so obviously we're talking about the cream of the crop here, yeah. who have their profit opportunities identified and they're, they're really scaling them well. So how do I bring those together? Sure. Uh, what I want to tell the audience is, no, you're not here to hear a collision story. No. You're really here to hear a training story yeah. and an opportunity to bring technology from uh, the cloud into your bay with uh, probably a flip of a easy button somewhere, right? Well, somewhere, yeah. yeah. <laughs> easy. I need to bring back, you know, it'd be a great idea if you had this white circle with a red button in the middle of yeah. it and it said easy. Yeah. I think I missed my, you know, pet rock opportunity. How, how about the, uh, the the button on Jeopardy? There you go. Right. Oh, there you go. Yeah, and you just, just hit that exactly. and then all the lights light up and... Yeah. And, and things start happening. Yeah. And uh, yeah. we, we just swipe our credit card and boom, we fix the car. Right. Oh my right. God, it's that easy. Yeah. Gee. <laughs> Ka-ching. You had a great presentation yesterday and I heard you talk so much about education. Mm -hmm. And uh, I went back and, and I looked at some of the episodes that we did with Anthony Williams. Yep. And I think there were five or six of them that Anthony was either on with me alone. He was on panels. We were talking training. And uh, you had told me says, there needed to be some kind of tri a tribute to what we're doing at Repairify to what Anthony's passion was. Right. Talk to us about right. that. So obviously when I met Anthony, Anthony, I met through Greg Bunch, the founder of Transformers. They were working together on trying to help Greg find technician talent out of high schools and vocational schools. So Greg invites Al Wheeler and I to come visit him and look at his Transformer training program in Colorado Springs. And we walk into his boardroom and there's a young man standing in the boardroom and says, hi, my name's Anthony. And met Anthony and Greg says, uh, I'm not trying to hijack the meeting here, but I wanted Anthony to present something to you. And Anthony presented his vision and he's told that story. It's on yeah. tape with you. Yeah. And I sat there looking at my five-year strategic plan that I had just built out yeah. and opened my iPad up and turned it towards Al and I hit, I touched on every bullet point on future state and he's hitting it on his slide deck. And I said, this is really weird because this has been inside my head somewhere. 
Uh, and it wasn't that he was inside my head. He just had it right. And we, we were in alignment instantly. By the way, we recorded that yeah. story with Anthony yeah. at Vision maybe three years yeah, ago. I remember so, that. So, so worth the listen. Yeah. And so I got in the car with Al heading to the airport and he said, what are you going to do? What do you think? And I said, well, I've got an open spot. I have one man retiring. I'm going to hire Anthony uh, and replace him in a CTI position and put him in charge of special projects. And that was really the vision was the school. But as we went down that path of building out the education model for the school, understanding how to teach people uh, was really core to Anthony's uh, skill set. He really understood people, young people, understood education at a different uh, level than most of us did. And that's that was the gift he gave me. But as we went through uh, the challenges of getting the school up, and obviously that failed because we couldn't get the funding, and that was a blessing because if we'd have opened, we'd have opened in August of 2020, right in the middle of COVID. It wouldn't have happened. No. God's timing was different than Anthony's timing. But at the end of the day, the things we learned in doing the research really pointed us towards adaptive learning. Anthony's research led us to Area 9, which is the organization that we're partnered with. And when I made the decision to retire... You know, I had every intent after my non-compete was up to call Anthony up and say, hey, bud, you ready to come to work? Let's get this thing done. I implemented Area 9 at Repairify. We've already done that. We have three learning engineers uh, working away. They've gone through the training. They're creating content now. And that content is life-changing in the way of providing the knowledge information, the content that the technician or the student needs, not everything that we have. They already have a knowledge base. We just need to find the gaps and fill them. So it's akin to being thirsty. And a student has this thirst for a certain piece of knowledge. And so they're looking for that glass of water to quench that thirst. What we do today in education is we toss you in the deep end of the pool and expect you to swim around and find the glass of water you're looking for to quench your thirst. All the while you're getting soaked and wet and distracted by all the things you already know. I don't need to know that. And so in today's environment with technology expanding the way it is, we can't expect anybody to fully understand, memorize, or uh, know every bit of knowledge they need that they're going to put into action today on any vehicle because there's too much information. I presented yesterday kind of the vision of 50 years ago when I entered this industry. It was easy to understand the information that I needed because you could you could buy it in a pamphlet, workbook, shop manual. You could memorize the specs because they weren't different from one manufacturer to another. And you could go to work easily. A wiring diagram was on one piece of paper. Today, there's so much information that continues to expand that we can't use the old ways of teaching to do that. So adaptive really allows us to take that knowledge base that you have, identify those knowledge gaps, and then remediate just that gap. Okay. Is training in the future going to have assessments and then I get into the virtual classroom and they teach me where my gaps are? Assessments happen during training. That's the beauty of the adaptive model that we're building. The first thing you'll see when you take a, a Repairify Institute adaptive course is 
you're not being presented with a slide with an instructor that says, well, Carm, first I have to tell you this, and then I have to tell you that, and then I'm going to tell you this, and don't stop me because I've got five more slides to go before I can stop long enough to think about answering the question. Linear, if you it's will. It's linear. Yeah. And I can't deviate from that because my boss said I can't. Uh, <laughs> and so you're going to go home and say, your boss is going to say, what did you learn last night? And you're going to say, I could have taught the class. I knew everything the instructor knew. When that one glass of water was sitting there, you were just sitting there soaking wet because we doused you with everything you already knew. Got it. At the end of the day, you've got to have... Uh, the uh, content available to them, but you need to know what content to serve up. So you assess first. And that means you have to have objectives that you have to hit and you have to have questions that are aligned with those objectives so that you can ask questions to know whether or not you understand. I don't want to, I, I, I don't want to get lost, no. but I mentioned we have to assess and then we design the training and you said, no, we do it while we're working on it. So we, we build the assessment as part of the training first. And so the course is designed to assess the technician's knowledge. Did I know what I just was taught? No, not even that. Okay. What do you know right now? I'm going to start with questions. Let me kind of back up a little bit. A linear course today that everybody on this call goes to maybe has five or six objectives. You'll see the second slide on their slide deck has five or six bullet points, and these are the things we're going to cover today. Right, right. And the kind of the outcomes that we want you to take away from this course. An adaptive course may have 300 objectives, micro-objectives, with multiple questions that surround each of those objectives and we begin the path of asking questions. But first we need to know which question to ask. Because I'm not going to ask you, Carm, the master A-plus triple medal winning technician for Toyota, a Toyota question that's simple. I'm going to ask you something hard because you've told me you're an expert. So part of our process is when the course opens, you do a self-assessment. I'm going to rate myself from beginner to expert or anywhere in between. And so the goal of all of this is to uncover the unconscious incompetent, the person that doesn't know that they don't know. So in yesterday's presentation, I asked, I said, that's the person that doesn't know. And I stopped and everybody responded what they don't know. I did too. (laughs) And it's, that's the standard answer, but that's not the, the case. It's that they don't know they don't know that they don't know. Right. They think they've got it. Yeah. I've been doing this for 30 years. I know how to do a brake job. You can't tell me how to do this because I don't know that I don't know the importance of lateral runout on a brake rotor. So I skip that part because I've never really been bit by it in my mind. So what we're trying to do is identify those instances where they think they know it, but they don't. And it, and we'll uncover that based on not only their assessment, their self-assessment, but as they answer the questions that we're presenting to them. Yeah. We also ask them to rate their level of confidence in that answer. So the level of confidence is, I haven't got a clue. I'm totally guessing up to I'm a hundred percent certain I got this. And so based on their confidence, their self-assessment and the actual answer to the probe or the to the question, we can 
understand what their knowledge level is or maybe ask a different question to get that pulled out. Hey, look, if you earn your living in the automotive service aftermarket, Apex is for you. Now, if you attended Apex 2022, then you realize the incredible commitment that Apex has to the service professional shop owner and technician. Joe's Garage is your place to be with 10 working bays as you experience real live working conditions, along with exciting demonstrations and the latest equipment presented. Also, the best tech companies from tools and repair to management software had their latest and the greatest on display. You also attended technical business management training with the industry's best and brightest. Work is already underway to make next year's Apex 2023 even better than ever with more product demos, trending training, marketing, and the latest in business management training to help you grow your sales and profits. Remember, if you earn your living in the aftermarket, then Apex is the expo for you. Continue listening as we bring you the latest from Apex 2023. Save the date. October 31st through November 2nd, 2023. Hey, let's face it. Your shop management system is the single most important tool in your shop, period. Napa Tracks has made selecting the right shop management system easy by offering the industry's best, most comprehensive SMS. Now, it all starts when a local representative meets with you to learn about your business and how you need to run it. After all, it's your shop, so it's your choice. And having local representation is a huge plus. Customizing tracks to your business, whether you're a one-person shop or a large multi-bay or multi-location company, a representative consults with you to help optimize your shop's workflow, efficiency, and profitability. Tracks always has the flexibility to do business how you need to do it, which means it can also grow as your business grows. And unlike the other guys, we'll be there for you after installation with the best training and support in the business. Yes, a learning management system tailored to each role in your company. Simply put, Trax was designed and built for shop owners just like you. Visit us on the web at NapaTrax, that's N-A-P-A-T-R-A-C-S dot com. Yesterday, John DeJulius was with us. I don't know if you saw his oh, keynote. Yeah. And he was talking about the salons of his. And he says, listen, my level 10 hairdresser or whatever uh, is 150 bucks an hour. Yeah. Well, he comes in here. We do this incredible interview yesterday, pulled some of the great discussion points. And I had this totally outer body experience about levels because we say, my ATEC. And it would be almost as if the individual came in and we're talking about what it's going to cost to, you know, figure out what's wrong with your car. We can say, <laughs> I'm going to put my ATEC on it, but to the customer, it doesn't mean anything. And maybe that's the right thing to do or say. And then I, and then it hit me, Chris, a level 10, but the level 10 tech came from you because of the adaptive learning and, and the assessments that you're doing. It would be almost as if inside of this unregulated industry, we drove people to do this with their people so you can find the exact training that they need. Yeah. And if if I have a level five uh, hairdresser, how do I get that person to attend? Well, maybe it's experience. Maybe they have to have a mentor, but yet... I just thought, and again, any time you come up with this wild little idea in our industry and says, Carmen, it's a great idea, but it'll never get traction. Maybe what you guys are doing could provide us some traction. to. A lot of the solutions that the industry has tried over the last several years has been really focused on vocational education and trying to remediate that. We're still stuck in the, you know, the two years you're going to become a a productive technician when you get a job. 
type of, of mantra. And that's not ASC's mission or the Education Foundation's mission at all. But that's how we as shop owners and business owners tend to interpret it. At the end of the day, we need to build a model, uh, a, an education model that serves everybody in the industry, those that are experienced and those that are not, and everybody in between. We can't start at the beginning and try to build out. It's like trying to electrify the fleet of vehicles, which is what we're doing now. You know, by 2030, the, the entire fleet's going to be electrified. No, it's not. <laughs> You're not going to turn the lights off and all of a sudden we don't have any gas cars. That's going to transition over time. Mm-hmm. Well, if we did that with education, we'd still be dealing with the tech shortage 20 years from now and still be complaining about the problem and still not have a solution that's, that scales quickly. So how do we address the issue of the technician that's got five, 10 years worth of experience that's a productive tech? that you need to continue to grow and invest in by growing their skills, investing in their skills and knowledge because the cars keep changing. The technology keeps expanding uh, and they've got to understand that so that they can serve the customer effectively. So the adaptive model really gives us the ability to not tick off that tech. <laughs> and I'll put it in context. Okay. As a tech myself, I still consider myself a technician. As a tech, I don't want to go through that class that serves up the stuff I already know, that I know that I know it. I'm a conscious competent. I know that I know that. Okay. I don't need to be reviewing that skill. So don't give me a course that makes me go through everything and makes me spend an hour to get through it when there's only about 15 minutes worth of content in here that's really valuable to me. Give me that. Conversely, for the person that is the unconscious incompetent that maybe doesn't know that they don't know, and there's a wide gap that they have wrong, they may spend a little more time in here because they may fight the algorithm of adaptive learning by just guessing. (laughs) And the algorithm is going to keep serving up content, and it's going to try to remediate that. So the adaptive model, when you get it wrong, it's going to serve up some content to try to remediate it. And that content can be anything. It can be a, a PowerPoint slide, a video. It could be an assignment. Carm, you need to go back to the shop and connect your lab scope and pull up this waveform from this vehicle and present that uh, via email to our staff at Referify Institute and we'll evaluate it and we'll call it good or not good. And that can happen. That's possible in our model. Wow. So we are really trying to identify how or where your gaps are and just remediate those so that the person that's making you money can grow quickly because they're not going to be discouraged from taking content by saying, I don't have time to sit down and go through this hour course. When they get used to it, they'll go, ah, I got an opportunity to learn about this new ATIS technology. I'm pretty comfortable with that, but I want to see where I stand. And it may only take me 10 minutes to get through it. I just got this warm feeling about what you just said, that I would have someone in the cloud, in cyber world, who's on my team. It's almost like I'm putting my arms around this invisible coach, trainer, accountability partner, someone who wants to make me better. Yeah, yeah. You've got to have that that instructor that can come alongside and look over your shoulder and help you through that one big bump that you just can't get through. 
and sometimes that remediation may require you to go to that, you know, somebody in the shop and have them mentor you. So there's a mentoring part of our equation as well. They'll provide mentorship in an electronic way that helps us track, okay, you've got the knowledge, you went through the adaptive learning. Now we want you to go back to the shop and, and apply it and practice it under the the supervision of a mentor, at least the watchful eye of a mentor who can watch and say, you know, Carm, you, you did well in these three areas, but this last one, you need to, to correct this. And that's all tracked. And once you're comfortable with that, then, okay, you've got the knowledge. You've done it in anger, if you will, uh, under the watchful eye of your mentor. He or she says, okay, Carm, you're good to go to the next step. And that's the proof of skill step, which takes you through a three-step process that's modeled after the Federal Aviation Administration. And the NASTEF education team talked about this model for the last several years. Scott Brown brought it to the table on our first meeting. It's formalized by the federal government for A&P mechanics and pilots. And the process is you acquire your knowledge, which we're doing through adaptive, because we've got such a wide range of knowledge to serve up. We only want to remediate what you don't know. And once you're comfortable with that, you put it into action through the mentorship process. Once you're comfortable that you've got it, you can schedule a appointment at one of our centers of excellence, which I've got a video plan in my booth right now of uh, our concept for our Richardson location that'll open in May, where you'll come in and take a written examination if it doesn't align with ICAR or ASC. I don't want to write written examinations if I don't have to. So if they already exist in the industry, we'll, we'll leverage those. Okay. So if it's an ASCA 8 or something like that, we'll just, you'll take that and that'll be your, your ticket to, okay, now I can reserve a space to go to the center of excellence and do an oral examination. You know, we may have two dozen uh, questions to ask you and you've got to prepare for all of them. And it's in a certain discipline that you're certifying in. And I'm going to ask you three of those questions as a proctor. You got to prepare for all of them. You don't know which one I'm going to ask. And you have to hit every rubric in that answer. You have to hit every point. I just can't tell you all the stuff you just threw out at us <laughs> in the last five minutes. <laughs> Aviation, proof of skill, certifying. And it's like, this is different than what we have. It's much different. I show in every presentation I do practically the slide that of uh, the bird, the monkey, the alligator, the elephant, <laughs> the dog, and the fish, fish in a fishbowl fish yeah. sitting in front of the teacher. And the teacher says, to be fair, everybody has to take the same test. Go climb that tree. And Albert Einstein's statement that, you know, if you're held to the same account as everybody else, a fish, you know, climbing a tree, if you told them that you would only be successful if you could climb that tree, a fish would leave its entire life thinking that was stupid. And that's the way we teach people today. And we have for the last 100 years. It needs to stop simply because we don't have time to teach the amount of knowledge that's available or needed, especially in our industry, working on these amazing machines that we work on. So we've got to prove that they know it, that they can teach it, and that they can do it. And if we get to that point, now when I hire a CARM with an A8 certification or a Tracy with A8 and proof of skill, I'm not even going to have you come in, CARM. I'm going to have, Tracy's going to work tomorrow. 
because I know she can do the job. What's the certification thing? You know, the whole FAA thing. I love to hear about that because you can't work on an airplane unless you've been certified. You're wanting to get me in trouble, aren't you? No, no, um, no, so. I don't. But I, but I think we love to talk about the cutting edge stuff or at least well, these concepts you're throwing out. This concept is so not new that it's funny. The FAA has been using this concept for years. Listen, you've talked about this on my show or or I've seen you on panels get up. Oh my God. Yeah. And so it's, it, what I saw in the repairify opportunity when I got there and spent two months evaluating what I had in front of me, I'm going, this is a no brainer. This industry is faced with the same issues. The mechanical space is faced with, and even probably on steroids. And so trying to come up with something new to solve uh, a current problem when I knew what the solution was, we just couldn't get it done because the people that were trying to get it done were the busy people that didn't have the resources or the time or the effort or the budget to get it done. This gave me the opportunity to do it because I inherited an amazing group of, of trainers, just an absolutely amazing team. I brought in some amazing talent and we're building this thing out using the team that we already have because they have the context of the collision space. So the neat part about this is it all scales across, it all peanut butters across not only collision but mechanical because, again, it's it's dealing with the car. car doesn't know where it's at. The technicians just got a problem that they have to solve with the knowledge that they have. Chris, we've been doing things in our industry for so long the same way. You're talking about a paradigm shift that's that's almost Everest size. It is. Uh, But I think we can accomplish it because if we can simplify it down into making each step more easy instead of adding steps to what we already do, then it becomes just a different way of doing the things that we've always done. So taking an e-course, an online course, is not new. In fact, people hate it today because first I'm going to tell you this, then I'm going to tell you that, I'm going to ask you two questions, print off your certificate, you've got a gold medal, you're XYZ certified. That doesn't mean anything. I don't know that you can do the job. All I know is you could answer those two or three questions at the end. But it, at least it meant you wanted to learn or at least you'd listen to your boss tell you you needed to do that so you get a 50 cent raise, whatever the question is. I see it as an opportunity to change that e-learning in such a way that it attracts people to it because they want the end game. And that's that proof of skill that's not only valuable to the shop owner because they know who they're hiring and what they can and can't do, but more importantly for the technician, it's something that adds value to their portfolio that increases their value in the shop because they have proven that they can do X. Once a tech has proven that they're that Matt, that guy in the shop or that gal in the shop, what does the shop owner give them? What does the service advisor give them? All the hard stuff. All the hard stuff today, we don't have a way to measure that. If we can measure that with proof of skill, now we can elevate them in a way that we could pay them more. Ten years down the road, we're starting to see a few level five, uh, 8S level fives out there. And no matter if the car came in on its own and sensors told me what was right or wrong with it, wherever that tech is going, the fact of the matter is 
Was it your slide talking about how many lines of code and how much it costs per line of code to create? You, you, now you're in the billions of dollars in creating this stuff. My point is that you just can't have the average Joe work on this stuff. And that's true. And I, I think to, to add some context to that statement around it, I'd always put that slide up and then somebody smart like Uva comes up to me and challenges me with it. And the real truth behind that is that automotive manufacturers build code in multiple silos and they all have to come together. And so they aren't elegant solutions, whereas an F-35 is built by a team that talks to each other every day, and it's a very elegant solution. And until the automotive manufacturers start building elegant coding or software solutions, we're going to continue to see the lines of code increase. But manufacturers like Tesla are going down that path. Yeah. And you'll see neural networks uh, in play when we get to level four and level five vehicles that they're self-taught about how they work. The problem is they're trying to do it on the backs of the consumer with beta software as they're driving down the road and go, whoops, that didn't work. We'll back that out. Uh, so that's kind of a, a weird space to be in as, as an engineer. But when it comes to working on those vehicles in the future, I always come back to one statement. Man built them. Man will break them. Man will fix them. These aren't being brought down from, you know, a spaceship shooting a laser beam down on a pyramid, you know, and all of a sudden we have a self-driving car. We'll be able to fix them as somebody here was is going to be smart enough to do that. We've just got to get to a point right now for the shop owners that are in the conference room down the hall from yeah, us yeah. have the ability to prepare their team for those technologies that continue to come in their door and approach them in an efficient and an effective manner so that they can create a safe and proper repair. And it's that safe part of the repair that the mechanical side needs to get their arms around. The collision side is adopting that. They have to because they're dealing with a car that crashed. And it's obvious that it needs to be safe when it's put back together. Not all of them have adopted the ADOS technology yet, but the mechanical side tends to just blow it off. Because the car drove in, here's going to drive out. It's not wrecked. We've got to get the mechanical space to come alongside the collision side to take in these technologies and be prepared for them because they're going to, they're going to ramp up so fast. And it's not just safety. Cybersecurity made the news again this morning. I, I don't know if it. you saw it on LinkedIn, no, but no. Uh, there was a group that were able to hack remotely Hondas and Nissans and activate their horns, start the cars using remote start access their entertainment stack, all their PI information totally remotely with no subscription to any of the services, no XM subscription to the radio channels, no subscription to the app for the car that they own. So that they've got a, a remote start app on their iPhone to start their car out in the, in the driveway. They are able to hack through that through the telematic system. So I'm telling you right now, the OEMs are going to squeeze on the cybersecurity side really hard. This is another Jeep moment. Okay, but was it done uh, to prove or was it done to be done malicious? To done to prove. Done to prove. Done okay. to prove. All right. Yep. Wow. Does it help our cause for right to repair? I think it does, but I think that argument gets lost between the two sides of the of the argument. You have the extremes arguing the... The question and the solution is in the middle with people willing to come together to solve it. I sit with a lot of engineers uh, many times during the year and their comments uh, anecdotally are, 
just tell me what you want us to build and we'll build it. Let's get it off our plate and let's move on down the road. We've got things to do. Are you having any fun? I'm having a ball. I bet you are. I am God. Having, yep. Absolutely. So uh, retirement, what, when you're 85, uh, maybe? You know, another <laughs> year or two, we'll see where, I, I, sir, see where we stand. And, and, I, and I say that kind of, if you will, tongue in cheek, uh, after we were off, the microphones were off, we were talking to uh, John DeJulius yesterday, and he says, my goal is to be 90 and charge $90,000 for a speech. <laughs> That's beautiful. I'm, I'm going to take that up because then I'll talk much slower. I won't have to think as fast and I'll have less to prepare for. Plus, I'll get on a longer vacation out of it because I'll have to leave earlier to get there because I won't travel as fast. So I think that's brilliant. I know because uh, basically, I don't know how it came up. Maybe it was you got Tracy. Are you going to, are you going to retire? And I says, I really don't even think that's not even in my question. And he goes, me either. And then he started his whole thing about it. Yeah. My mind continues. I think about, you know, solutions to problems all the time. That's yeah. just me. I'm kind of an innovator or doer, a change agent. I think the biggest, the most dangerous words in the English language is it's the way we've always done it. I think that really hinders our industry. Chris, how high, how high is the hill you're climbing? Uh, it's pretty steep. I have clear vision and my team, uh, recognizes that vision and sees the same light. We have good traction. I think the opportunities that I've had within the collision space over the last year and even the last month have given me the ability to communicate that to even more people in that side of the industry. And people are starting to see the opportunity as something that's game changing. And it's not that difficult. It's just, this is a big industry and we have to reach everybody to uh, tell them about it. But more importantly, we have to launch it so that there's success stories and victories that we can share yeah. out there uh, in the industry so are other you, people can see it. Are you further along with collision than you are with mechanical? Oh yeah. Okay. yeah I would, I would say so just simply because of the context of who I work for and who I'm serving right now. Uh, I'm serving primarily both external and internal customers. I have a large group of, I have over 400 internal remote technicians that work for us that we're responsible for upskilling on a regular basis. And so most of the adaptive learning that we're creating right now is focused around the factory scan tools. So we connect remotely through our patented technology plugged into the car that connects through the cloud like an extension cord to a factory tool that's controlled by one of our certified technicians that's sitting somewhere else mm -hmm. on the planet yeah. connected to that factory tool running it while it's connected to your car and controlling a scan or a programming event or a calibration or whatever and we've got to continue to upscale them. So what we're working on in Adaptive is when we bring somebody in, they say, yeah, I'm GM certified. I can run a GDS or I'm Toyota certified. I can run a text stream. They'll go through that adaptive learning to certify that they do, in fact, understand the workflow of GDS or text stream. And we can check that off and mark them as text stream certified in our portal so that they get Toyota jobs. So we're doing that now. Does that translate to mechanical? I just had a conversation when you drug me out of my booth a few minutes ago. That's what I was talking to somebody about. They wanted a Toyota certified tech 
to be able to connect to their team because all they work on is Toyota and Lexus. And do you have one? We have those yeah. people that we're standing up. In fact, we're standing up the Toyota e-learning or adaptive learning as we speak. I'm just fascinated with the story. It is something that we have to do. Is this, the adaptive learning is going to create bigger, better, stronger A technicians. I'm going to assume, let's just call Absolutely. it what it is, A but with all of the scan tools in your cloud, with all the people in these, you know, if you will, brain centers around the world in your particular case, we need that individual still to be trained and paid well. And then they use your company to complete. Well, the thing that I really talked about yesterday was trying to plant the idea of allocating talent and technology or scaling that talent and technology in a way that meets the needs of your organization. On the collision side of the business, we're dealing with an organization that doesn't have skilled, highly skilled diagnostic technicians on staff. And it's difficult for them to find them. It's difficult for anybody to find them, right? So I asked for a raise of hands yesterday on who who could hire a tech today, who needs a tech today. Everybody in the room raised their hand. That's normal. That's been that way for the last 10 years. We've got to approach the solution to that differently. And my idea is from a talent or skill perspective, alongside a technology uh, perspective, technology meaning in this case, in this context, a factory scan tool. I can't own every factory scan tool. Most shops will tell you they can't own them. Well, they can, but the business model is really tough because you not only need all the factory tools, you need to maintain the licenses and the upkeep and the updating of that tool. And that takes work. I have a person on my team that that's all they do is manage the licenses with the OEMs. It's a full-time job. It's two full-time jobs. And so we can do that for them when they need that. Now, let's say, for example, I was talking to the gentleman about the tech stream. He owns tech streams. He uses tech streams. But when he needs another one or he doesn't have that additional ATEC for that car that's stacked up in the shop, that they need to get to today. And because of what happened on these other two or three vehicles, it's slowing them down. They can apply our technology, reach out to our team, and we can help solve the problem with a B-Tech or a C-Tech, somebody they already have. Or another context would be, I've got B and C-Techs, great B and C-Techs. I just don't have that A-Tech because I don't do very many jobs that require that A-Tech. But when I do, I can use our technology to reach out and connect the right tool with the right skill at the right place at the right time. And that's really what we're trying to formulate with this group here and get their feedback. And the feedback you saw when you walked in the booth, the feedback today has been massive, yeah. overwhelming. So I better I get you back there, huh? Uh, they'll probably stole all my pens and used my purple stamp to stamp all their cards. <laughs> so I probably won't have anything to do. Oh. Hey, uh, is it repairify.com? Repairify.com, or you can go to aztec.com, which is one of our brands. Repairify is the parent company that, that covers all of our brands. Aztec is the, is the brand for the technology and then repairifyinstitute.com okay. for our training program. But Aztec, there's no Z in there. It's nope. A-S-T-E-C-H. And, and it stands for automotive service technician. Wow. Cool. Final word. You know, it's kind of good to sit back in front of you, Carm, but, uh, Times are fun. You asked me if I was having fun. Probably haven't worked as hard in my career as I have this year, but I haven't felt it. 
because <laughs> what we've envisioned for the last several years, uh, we now have the ability to bring to life. And that's not only meaningful to me, but I think it'll be meaningful to the industry. And that's the only reason I came back. It had to be meaningful and fun. Yeah. And it's certainly fun. And I hope it's meaningful to the shop owners in the industry. Well, knowing you're at the helm and driving that bus is, I'm sure, a comfort to so many of us in the industry. Chris Chesney from Repairify. Thanks for being here, man. My pleasure. Thanks for being on board to listen and learn from the premier automotive aftermarket podcast. Until next time... 